You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Four River Smokehouse, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Here we are, Florida, Kentucky, Game Week preview right here. Plenty, plenty to get into Gators for their first true road game uh, of the season, as we've said it before. Don't count that. Don't don't count that road game at USF. We know there was a lot of Gator fans in the in the stands for that one. So first SEC road game, first true road game for the Gators this year as they travel to Lexington to take on the Wildcats. Joining me for that preview will be Kevin McGuffey from Last Word on College Football. We'll get to that in just a second there. But remember, you can find another breakdown. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're sitting there watching on YouTube. It really helps us out. And find us at news4jack.com. Breakdown, even more Gators coverage there, or you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. So, all right, let's get straight to it. This Kentucky preview with my good friend Kevin McGuffey from Last Word on College Football. Every year we get the preview from the Kentucky Wildcats from Kevin's perspective. So, Kevin, man, thank you. Look, you're, you're the same as me. I mean, we probably should sit that out. You're a fan. You're a fan first. You're a fan of Kentucky, just like I'm a fan of Florida. Uh, you know, so we, we do get to bring that unique perspective and that side of it when we sit here and talk about this side of Oh, yeah, definitely. And I have to say, um, right off the bat, after watching that open, I'm like, I'm ready to put my helmet on, go back to my football <laughs> point days. I'm like ready to run through a wall or tackle somebody or something. I'm like, that's really cool. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah no, we're, it's, uh, as you said, well, you know, being a fan is, is, is part of it and, um, you know, like I said, I played football many years ago, you know, high school and everything. And uh, we're just up here. We're just ready for uh, ready for Saturday and can't wait to see what happens. Absolutely. Big time matchup. Three and one Gators, four and oh Wildcats there. So as we, you know, we'll get right there, Kevin. Four and oh uh, for, for, for Kentucky with a chance to start five and oh for the fourth time in school history and the first time since 2018. 
with that as the backdrop, also hosting Florida, this is setting up to be quite the event on Saturday night in Lexington. Most most definitely, it's going to be the biggest biggest crowd. It's already sold out. I think Kroger Field sell out. You know, you can find tickets. You know, scalpers like a couple hundred dollars maybe. Um, they're doing the the blue and white thing. They're going to do one side in blue, one side in white. And of course, there's been a lot of talk on social media that this never works because people like I don't care. I'm going to wear my blue because that's what you know. That's what they win in. You know, when I wear my blue shirt, I don't care if I'm sitting in the white section. But anyway, it's going to be the biggest crowd since. Since we played you guys two years ago, um, somewhere around sixty-one thousand, and uh, yeah, it's just um, you know, as we're talking this morning, you know, we're still a few days away, and it's that you can just see it building and building as as we go. Everybody's just really, really excited. Um, can't wait for Saturday, and and as Kentucky fans seem to say almost every year, this is going to be the year we are going to beat Florida at home for the first time since 1986, just throwing it out there years truly. I was a junior in high school. Um, I was at that game with my dad in a cold day in November and Kentucky won 10 to three and we were there. And, you know, who knew at that point that Kentucky, that Florida would go on to win 33 out of the next 34 games. I mean, that streak, Fuck you finally put that at least, you know, got a win, put that to rest three years ago down in the swamp. Still one of the most amazing, totally unexpected wins in Kentucky history. And um, but as I said, it's it's going to be a great atmosphere. Of course, you guys are used to playing, you know, Ford is used, you know, playing in huge games every week, you know, wherever they go. Um, and so, it's, you know, you guys, I'm sure will be ready for it. But it, it's going to be a really special atmosphere here Saturday night. Kevin, quickly, something that comes to my mind here. What, what's, what's ramped this game up from the Kentucky side at, with, with Florida as the opponent? You know, it seems, you know, Tennessee, we know from both sides, from both of us playing Tennessee, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. As you guys have gotten better, it seems like this Florida-Kentucky matchup has also gotten bigger uh, from, you know, from the Kentucky side as well. Uh, I think you're right, and to, to your point, you look at – um, South Carolina, Kentucky's won seven out of the last eight. Missouri, I think five out of the last six. Vandy, we're going for six in a row this year. And, and Tennessee, even with all the struggles that they've had, Kentucky's won two out of the last four. But then you have Florida and then you have Georgia, and that's the two. You know, Mark Stoops has done some amazing things here. He's he's ended many streaks. Um, I think the fact now that Kentucky feels that they're competitive with Florida for many years there, you go back to the, the late nineties and the two thousands, you look at some of those scores is like 65 to nothing. And, you know, 58 to two or something um, Kentucky right now, they feel they are competitive. You, you look at the last three, you know, the last three times Kentucky mm-hmm. has hosted Florida. Um, Kentucky's had the lead late only by some, you know, whatever <laughs> um, the, um, you know, Florida has been able, you know, to win the game, whether it's, you know, the, Kyle Trask coming off the off the bench, you know, two years ago, or forgetting to, you know, guard some, you know, only having ten guys on the field and not having, you know, twice and, and letting Florida get touchdowns. But the from the Kentucky standpoint, they feel like they're there now. They can compete with Florida, and now they need to take that next step and actually start winning ball games. And I think that's that's what's helping you know, make this atmosphere even even crazier than, than it's going to be because Kentucky Kentucky as a program feels that they're right there, you know, they're solidly, they think, the third best team 
in the SEC every year now, and they want to move up now. And to do that, you have to start beating Florida, you know, once every three years, once every, you know, just, you know, something like that. But I think that's the biggest part of it is they, they feel they're competitive now. Sounds good there, Kevin. So 2-0 and to start the season, the big win over Missouri. Um, but, you know, maybe haven't kept up that same level of play ever since that Missouri game after the first couple of weeks. How would you compare the first couple of weeks compared to the last two weeks? The biggest thing the last few weeks, and it's been a problem the entire season, is turnovers. Um, if you go, I mean, you go back to that Chattanooga game a couple of weeks ago, our offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, even said that we over he overlooked these guys, um, thought that we'd have no trouble – you know, winning this game. And um, as a Kentucky fan, longtime Kentucky fan and, and you know, <laughs> media person, that that's the one thing you never want to hear because, you know, all the, all the years of Kentucky football, you never um, overlook anybody. And so he, he kind of did a different game plan. They were trying to rest Chris Rodriguez because he took such a pounding against Missouri. And um, it's just, you know, the turnovers and honestly can um, give Chattanooga all the credit in the world. They played the game, you know, it was like a Kentucky when you see sometimes somebody playing Kentucky in basketball, you know, and somebody goes for like 40 points or a whole team has a game of their life. That's kind of what happened against Chattanooga. And quite honestly, those are games in the past that Kentucky has lost. And the same thing with last week, Kentucky had three turnovers against South Carolina. Um, still the defense did just an amazing job. Um, kept South Carolina pretty much out of the end zone the whole game. Um, but eventually it just comes down to turnovers and, and taking care of the ball. And then one of the most you know, frustrating things or whatever this year has been Chris Rodriguez and the fumbles, because the first couple of years he's never fumbled the ball. And now he's dropping it you know, left and right. And it's been um, I think that's the biggest part of it. I think they, they overlooked they overlooked Chattanooga and then just the turnovers. You know, Kentucky, honestly, probably should have won that game maybe 28 to you know, 28 to seven, as opposed to, you know, 16 to 10 or 28 to 10, but the turnovers is what, is what kept them in the game. So that that's what I think has been the biggest, the biggest thing. And then they just got to get that focus. I don't, I don't think they're going to have any trouble getting focus for this week, or at least they shouldn't. But, right. um, but that, that's, that's the biggest key for me is if, if, you know, you can get away with turnovers against a Missouri, you know, mm-hmm. even in Missouri, they had a couple of drops, um, you know, against some of these teams, but you, you, you're a minus three in the turnover margin against Florida, you're going to lose, you know, double digits. Kevin, something's going to have to give then because Kentucky's giving the ball away and Florida's not forcing takeaways. So mm-hmm. something's going to have to give. Right. Uh, and, and, and Kentucky's not either, really. If you look at the stats, I think they only have two, two forced turnovers for the year. So I think the turnover margin is minus nine, which ranks them. Right. Um, it's either 129th or 130th, but anyway, yeah. they're at the very bottom. So, and that's another thing they need to try to force, you know, force some turnovers, but that's something they haven't done this year. So. Yeah. And then that makes, yeah, makes for a close game probably of, <laughs> of if, they, if things are playing out. So they have the way they so have so far this season. So you mentioned Liam Cohen, the new offensive coordinator comes in, takes over for Eddie Grand, comes in from the Los Angeles Rams as a quarterback coach there. Speaking of quarterbacks, Will Levis comes in from and transfers from Penn State. Add in this wide receiver group that features Josh Ali and Rondell Robinson. Just how much has this passing game changed from what you guys have done the last few years? Well, to, to your point, Eddie Grand um, was offensive coordinator here for years. After the, the South Carolina game last year, Stoops made the decision to, to part ways with him, wanting a more modern kind of offense. So he went, went out to the pros, found Cohen, brought him in. 
And um, with the promise that we're going to do a uh, more wide open, more NFL style attack. And, and for the most part, they've done that. Um, you know, look for the, you know, the tight ends have got more involved in the offense. I said, you have Wondell Robinson, I think was just announced. He was put on the, um, the watch list for the Bolitnikoff awards, which is, um, you know, a really cool deal. And, uh, and, and Josh Ali as well. But then you talk about Josh Ali, he had, you know, he had two fumbles last week, mm-hmm. but they've, um, like I said they tried to do more modern offense um, instead of just three yards, three yards in the cloud of dust. You know, Benny Snow left, Benny Snow right, Benny Snow up the middle, mm-hmm. um, or you know, the, the season with Lynn Bowden, it was the same way. But of course, you have that great offensive line up front and uh, the big blue wall. So you know they. But I, to your point, Levis um, has a cannon for an arm. Uh, you know, there's there's videos of him, you know, throwing it through the goalpost from 50 yards out um, on, while he's on his knees. And um, but the, the, the knock on him has always been his accuracy. And the first two games, he was really, you know, pinpoint accurate. And the last two games, um, kind of like the rest of the team, he struggled with interceptions. So and a lot of his balls, you know, he throws the ball so hard. They, you know, they bounce off the receivers like off the shoulder pads or off the chest or whatever. And, you know, it, it's tipped and the other team gets it. But they have with him, with Levis, with Robinson, um, they brought, you know, an excitement where, you know, you think you throw the ball to Robinson, you throw the ball to Ali, that, you know, they can get that home run home run threat every time they touch the ball, which is something, you know, other than, you know, you know when Bowden was here. But other than that, you haven't really seen with the Kentucky program um, very recently having that home run threat anytime somebody touches the ball. Yeah, a lot of it comes from that uh... – that, that running game. And even with this revamped passing attack, you know, it's based off of play action with this running game. That's where those explosives come from uh, with Kentucky. Starts there, got the two-headed monster of Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, uh, to go along with a deep veteran offensive line there for Kentucky. And right now, I mean, just the numbers, Rodriguez leads the SEC in total rushing yards, 522 rushing yards per game with 130 and a half yards. You know, these are a minimum of three games being played uh, in second and all-purpose yards as well with 135 and a half yards there for, for uh, Rodriguez. So you mentioned maybe some fumble issues, but if the ball's in his hands and, he, and he's not putting the ball on the ground, he's the weapon there in that Kentucky backfield. Oh, definitely. And, and honestly, with all the modernization that, that Stoops talks about, at, at his heart, you know, Stoops is an old-school football guy, <laughs> Smash mouth football, you know, strong defense, line it up, run over people um, as opposed to run around them. And Kentucky's always going to have that running game, um, even with the more, you know, modern kind of open passing game. When it comes down to it, you know, when they need five yards, they're probably not going to throw a play action or a screen pass. They're going to give the ball to Rodriguez, give the ball to Cabassier Smoke. Um, You know, they may have not really sure how that's going to work out. They may have Juton McLean back. This week, I don't know if you followed that whole uh, mess where six players got charged with, uh, right. you know, with an incident that happened back in the earlier this year. But all those charges have been dropped now, and they're all back on the team. I don't know if any of them will actually play on Saturday. But you have, you know, Juton McQueen too. Evan, before you before you move forward with that, have those guys been practicing at all? Have they been part of the um, program at all? They came back to practice. They hadn't been with. Um, I mean, they're still on the team. They haven't been practicing. They came back to practice. I think. Monday, okay. uh, maybe just a couple a couple of days ago, that it, it was you know kind of leaked through social media that those guys that those guys were back practicing now. So okay. if you have you know like McLean, you can have three backs, 
Um, you have Rodriguez, you have Smoke, and then you have McLean who could possibly, you know, spell the other two. And like I said, I don't know if he's going to – if any of them will actually play on Saturday or not. We'll, we'll see when we get there. But but as you said, to your um, uh, when it comes down to it, when Kentucky needs yards, they're going to try to run it. And um, like I said, Rodriguez is just – Having, he's having an incredible season. He's just got to hold on to the ball. And if you watch that fourth quarter against South Carolina, he did that. You know, he had the old, you know, two hands, you know, two hands on the ball like this, you know, and you're not taking the ball away from me. And, um, you know, that's just what, what they need to do. They have to hold on to the ball with, um, um, you know, they got to hold on to the ball on Saturday. And um, like I said, I, I'm excited. I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait for six o'clock Saturday night. So. Yeah, you know, pretty, it's going to be a pretty good uh, matchup there. You know, Florida's run defense has been pretty well this year and you know, held Alabama a couple weeks ago to under 100 yards. So, Kevin, man, uh, and we, we'll, we'll move to the other side of the ball too, but kind of in, including everything we just discussed and everything we're about to discuss, this is going to be a trench warfare type of game. What we've seen these two from these two teams so far uh, this year with Florida and Kentucky. So, this is a defense that returned five starters uh, this season. Has not disappointed so far this season. Ranks net ninth nationally. Uh, really strong up front, led by the linebackers. But, Kevin, you may have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but could the best player on this defense be safety, Yusef Corker, back there? You know, um, I wouldn't argue with you if you, um, <laughs> if you said that. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. We do, you know, for last word, the last couple of years I've done, um, you know, like a uh, like a season review, like offensive player of the year, defense player of the year. And Corker's been my runner up twice. Um, you know, last year was Jamin Davis. I think the year before it was Calvin Taylor. I picked as the winner. But no, I would not. I would not argue with that with you at that at all. He has been um, a really, really strong player. That that entire secondary. They're not deep. That's one thing that um, Kentucky might. You know, if something heaven heaven forbid, you know, injuries, whatever, cramps, anything. Um, they're not deep back there. Um, but like I said, Corker has been really strong. Tyrell Agian has been really strong. He, he's the guy that um, intercepted when Chattanooga was driving late um, to try to take the lead. Um, he he picked off a pass, did the pick six, and um, went you know took it to the house, and that that you know finally put the game away. But uh, those two guys have been you know like I said, Corker. Uh, very, very strong, very, very strong player. And you think about all the success that Kentucky's had recently with, with the secondary, um, with players in the NFL, with, you know, Lonnie Johnson, Mike Edwards, um, Kelvin Joseph. You know, I expect Corker to be drafted and be playing be playing on Sundays next year. And then um, the linebackers with uh, Jordan Wright and DeAndre Square, they've been really, really strong. Now, Jordan Wright missed, missed a game, but he was back against South Carolina and um, had a huge game. And, um, and then up front, Josh Pascal, uh, Bully McCall, uh, those two guys. Octavius Oxendine, he's a uh, an in-state in-state player from North Arden, out near Elizabethtown or out in that area. Uh, he's had a really, really had a really, really good game against um, against South Carolina. So, um, but yes, uh, I would say Corker Corker would get my vote right now, probably for the defensive MVP on the, on the Kentucky team. What makes Kentucky so good up front? This has kind of been a staple of, you know, is it Mark Stoops? Is it you know, who he hires an assistant? Uh, I mean, of course, recruiting has gotten better uh, for, for Kentucky and, and that side of the ball. You know, what, what makes those guys, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the players there, but what, what is it technique scheme-wise that makes, uh, you know, them so good that, you know, Florida – Florida's going to come in and try to run the ball as well. You right. know, what makes this group just so tough, so physical there and have a lot of success playing that way? 
Well, I, I think the biggest thing, and you, you touched on it, is, is recruiting. Um, you know, Kentucky is getting these four, you know, four-star players now. You know, when Stoops took over, you know, the program, let's face it, was not in a good place. Um, they were fighting, you know, MAC schools and nothing against those conferences. But, you know, the MAC or the Sun Belt or somebody, you know, for players like one- and two-star players – and now, you know, the four the four star players are, you know, kind of the norm here, which is something we've never seen before. But, you know, talk about the offensive line. You have to talk about the late John Schlarman. Um, you know, he taught, you know, he was a player here. He taught these guys, you know, taught, taught them the techniques, taught them how to do, you know, how to do things, do things the right way. And, and it's the same way with the defense. Now you have Anwar Stewart um, coaching that offensive line. He's a former former cat, was a great player here. Uh, back in the late nineties, um, you know, it's the same thing, you know, teaching them, you know, to teaching them, you know, the techniques, the schemes, you know, however, however you want to look at it, but you know, here's, here's the way you do it. And this is the way you don't do it. And you, you're seeing the results, you know, on the field now, because Kentucky ranks, you know, the last few years, you know, Kentucky has been, you know, one of the best teams in defense and, and especially against the run. And that that's going to be the interesting thing for me because Florida has been so good running the ball this year. And Kentucky's been really good stopping it. So, you know, obviously you could say any any game, the offensive line up in the trenches is going to decide the game. I really think that that that's true this year. I think Kentucky um, with those guys, if they if they can get that push, um, you know, get some stops, you know, get some momentum. I, I, you know, I think that that only only helps and, um, you know, and she increases their chances of victory. There we go, Kevin. So I think we're all looking forward to a good SEC uh, experience atmosphere there Saturday night when uh, Florida travels, takes on Kentucky at 6 o'clock Eastern here. Uh, Kevin, man, I, I can't thank you enough there. Very good preview of Kentucky, what we can expect from those Wildcats on Saturday night. Let everybody know where they can find your work. Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me at Last Word on College Football. Um, we said we have a great, uh, great, great staff there. Or you can find me on Twitter at the cleverly titled at Kevin McGuffey. Because I went through like when I first joined Twitter years ago, I went through like all these different things and all of them were taken. But anyway, um, so, yeah, you can find us there. Um, a lot of good, you know, a lot of good, a lot of good uh, people. You know, we cover probably like 30, 30 different teams right now. And um, so I like said, give us, you know, check it out. Give us a shot. Like, give us a shout out. See what you think. I do uh, bold predictions, doing bold predictions every week. Um, so that's. That, that, that's kind of it's it, it that's been a lot of fun it, it's been you know weeks like last week it's been a little bit of a, right. a struggle trying to put people in places but uh, but yeah that, that's where you can find us like i said before i go i got to say man congratulations i mean i you know i followed you for you know a long time and you know just the success of this you know of what you've done has just been really really you know really really awesome really really great to see and i'm i'm you know thankful like you know once a year you know i get to be just a small part of it and we, we talk uh, get to talk about you know kentucky and florida so Hey Kevin, thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's uh, been an adventure, man. And yeah, like I said, you've been along for the for, for the ride every 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 year when we get to preview Kentucky. So I can't thank you enough uh, again for that. And uh, here's to a, a good game on Saturday night. Yes, sir. Sounds good. We'll, we'll we'll talk to you later. All right, Kevin McGuffey from Last Word on College Football giving us a preview of these Kentucky Wildcats. All right, let's get to it. But before we do. Football season is also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse. Named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine, Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Got to have those briskets. Got to have that brisket. Got to have those ribs. 
those sliders that we had a couple weeks ago at the Alabama tailgate, the pulled chicken, the pulled pork, all of it. Just go try it at Four River Smokehouse. You got to get those homestyle sides and those fresh baked desserts as well at any of Four Rivers Smokehouses, 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers Party Packages come tailgate ready so you can spend more time watching the games. Heavy, heavy SEC slate this week. Some good games on the horizon. So spend more time watching the games and not the grill. Enjoy the gridiron pack for four for $54.99 or the party for 12 package for $109. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, home-style sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. So now through October 31st, Take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. So Gators, if you're in Gainesville, swing by Four Rivers Gainesville, located in Butler Plaza. Or if you're tailgating at home in Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four Rivers Smokehouse. Here we go. Let's get started with a stat blast here for Kentucky. Let's start at the quarterback position in Will Levis. He ranks fourth in the SEC in passing yards per completion with 13.67. So 13.67 yards per completion there. Ranks fourth in the SEC for Will Levis. He ranks sixth in the SEC in passing yards per game with 225.5 and ranks sixth in passing touchdowns as well with seven so far. He ranks 8th in the SEC in total offense with 242 yards a game, and he ranks 10th in the SEC in pass efficiency at 153.3. Running back Chris Rodriguez, you heard us talk about him a whole lot here with Kevin in the preview. He leads the SEC in total rushing yards, 522, and rushing yards per game with 130.5 rushing yards per game. Leads the SEC there. And he's second in all-purpose yards with 135 and a half. And he set new career highs a couple weeks ago when they played Missouri. 27 carry for 207 yards in the close game, close win versus Missouri. And look, he's, <laughs> I mean, nearly impossible to bring down behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he's, this is for his career now. He's only lost yardage on just seven of his 277 career attempts. Only seven. 270 of his carries have been for no gain or gaining yardage. That's something else there. So Gator's got to come prepared to tackle. We'll get into that later as well. But don't forget about Cavassier Smoke as well. Smoke has played in 26 career games, has 1,032 yards, Here's the thing there. He's currently averaging 5.7 yards a carry. So that duo there for running back at, or at running back for Kentucky, definitely what you've got to concentrate on. But also the explosives come from Mondale Robinson, the wide receiver transfer from Nebraska. Through four games, Robinson ranks 14th nationally and second in the SEC in receiving yards per game with 100.5 yards a game. And he ranks third in the SEC in all-purpose yards per game with 123.3. He currently has six plays of 30-plus yards. So we just got to talking about it with, with Kevin, and we've heard it all week, of how physical this Kentucky team is. Dan Mullen has talked about it. Todd Grantham has talked about it. All the coaching staff has talked about it so far in the media, of how physical this Kentucky team is. And look, it eventually opens up the downfield passing game. And – 
the downfield passing game off of play action. And it's those three guys are just highlighted right there that that mostly contribute to that. And to get the run game going to Rodriguez and the veteran offensive line makes it easier in the passing game. You know, eventually they take those big shots down the field to Robinson. Man to man hurt the Gators last week for some plays and some coulda, shoulda, woulda plays for Tennessee. You know, they could have hit a lot more uh there. Uh, and a lot of it was to do with Florida in man-to-man coverage. Um, with how this play-action game works for, for deep shots from Kentucky, do we see more zone to limit the big play chance here from the Wildcats? Maybe be mixing it up there, having Elon lined up in man on one side of the field versus Wondell Robinson while playing zone on the other side of the field, then mix it up, double bracket Robinson. You cannot let him beat you. There's, a, there's not a lot of consistency in this Kentucky passing game from Levis, but the big play is there, and much of it is based on play action. So stop the run. That kind of limits probably the chances they're going to take to go downfield, but they're going to take those chances, and Gators got to step up. We'll see how they handle Robinson there. But big game up front for Dexter, Valentino, Newkirk, Truesdale, these Florida linebackers, Moon, Diabate, Hopper, those are the three I'm highlighting here. Those are the three that are going to have to show up. Those are the three at, at linebacker that's going to have to, to me, play the majority of the snaps here. Florida's stronger up front than a year ago. I'll remember that Bama game a couple weeks ago. But, you know, this is an offense for Kentucky that that is more suited to have success in the power run game here. Um, so this Florida front, fill your holes, pursue, take the right angles, fill the right holes, Make the tackle when they get the chance. More about Rodriguez here. 325 yards after contact this season. He's averaging 3.8 yards after contact. That is eighth among SEC running backs. And he's done it on 85 carries. The next closest running back that is in front of him for yards after contact is Auburn's Tank Bigsby with only 65 carries. So Rodriguez, 20 more carries there. Rodriguez's uh, 3.8 yards after contact on 85 carry is behind Damian Pierce for comparison. That's somebody you can compare it to that you watch every week. Pierce has 4.7 yards after contact, almost 4.8 yards after contact. That's only on 26 attempts, though. So, you know, Rodriguez is making yards after contact on a lot of carries. So, you know, 60, 60 less attempts there for Damian Pierce from someone you watch every week. That's a comparison. You see how much Damian Pierce breaks tackles. Rodriguez, not that far behind. So Gator front seven has to tackle. I think that means we should see more Tyron Hopper at linebacker, more so than Amari Bernie. Uh, just, I think a good rotation between Moon, Diabate, Hopper, those guys should be the ones out there. You know, Diabate leads the team in tackles with Trey Dean uh, at 26 tackles so far this season, but he's not the, the, the attacker and Asher tackler as Hopper is. Um, but you know, Dibate plays smart. You know, he's he's in the right position. You know, a lot of the times pre-snap, uh, the staff falls in love with that. I, I still like Dibate, of course, too. I like the ability Hopper brings, and I think he should be on the field when you start looking at the linebackers more so than Bernie right now, uh, probably for the rest of the season uh, as well. You know, but Dibate, Hopper, Moon, all those guys have their roles uh, in, in this on this defense in this linebacker core. All should be on the field. But I'd like to see Hopper a bit more in this matchup, more than Bernie, and maybe even splitting more time with Diabate here. Because, um, uh, you know, we'll see how much East-West Kentucky does. Uh, they, um, I, I'll get into that, too, and why you know, Diabate may 
maybe a bit benefit with the way he chases down plays and his speed. Um, but, you know, this is this might also be a game where we are really able to tell just how much Florida misses Adventure Miller. I, I'd love to have him in that in, in this game in the middle of the defense right now. Kentucky's good, uh, pretty good across the board and where they like to run the ball, uh, except outside left tackle where they are exceptional with Rodriguez and Smoke. Uh, they are, you know, I, I had to go look it up on SEC StatCat just choose these two runners and what the stats look like on where they're running the ball. They're averaging 7.4 yards of carry outside of left tackle while averaging 5.5 on the left side of the line, 5.8 on the right side of the line, and then 4.2 outside right tackle. But outside left tackle, seven, almost seven and a half yards per carry. Keep an eye out for how successful Kentucky is running outside left tackle. That's where Diabate could really come in in his pursuit. Uh, so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diabate's probably a little weaker in the middle. That's where Moon is filled in pretty good. You know, Hopper does well there too. But the pursuit of Diabate, if they're if Kentucky's going to stretch in some of these run plays, I think that's where we can see Diabate really come and make his impact. Uh, but you know, Kentucky, as we got into it with Kevin, they've been turning the ball over a lot uh, so far this season, last couple of weeks as well. I don't care what the numbers say there. They're near last, last in the country with a minus nine turnover margin. But until Florida starts proving they can force turnovers on any consistent basis, you know, Tennessee was turning the ball over coming into last week too. Florida didn't get anything out of it. So it, it doesn't matter to me that teams are turning the ball over coming in. And you know, Mullen spoke on it this week as well. Um, that uh, <laughs> they keep the pressure up, eventually they'll come. I mean, you've gotten plenty of havoc. You've gotten plenty of pressure, and turnovers are still not happening. You're just not aggressive enough on the back, on the back end. But a lot of that's been fumbles uh, there for Kentucky. So can you cause fumbles? You know, Tennessee was fumbling coming the ball in or coming in the last week's game as well. You weren't able to really get any from Tennessee. So just just because Kentucky's turning the ball over now and the way Florida has a lack of forcing turnovers, I wouldn't count on that just because it's happening coming into this game. Switch it. Kentucky stat blast for defense here. They've allowed just 260 total offensive yards per game this season, ninth nationally in FBS. Continues to prove itself, turning in the dominant performance on the road at South Carolina last week. They held South Carolina 216 total yards. They're doing what they're supposed to do there. We know South Carolina's not a really good offense right now. Uh, so, But they did what they were supposed to do coming off that game last week. For the second time in four games this season, the Cats held an opponent to less than 60-yard rushing. Gamecocks averaged, or they managed just 58 yards rushing on 26 carries, an average of 2.2 yards per rush. So that's what it looks like coming into this game based off of last week's game for Kentucky. Kentucky is tied for first in FBS in fewest plays from scrimmage of at least 20 yards allowed. They've only allowed six. Fewest plays from scrimmage of at least 30 yards for three. So they're first in FBS and fewest plays from scrimmage of at least 20 yards and fewest plays from scrimmage of at least 30 yards. They're not giving up big plays. Kentucky is tied for first in the FBS and fewest passing plays of at least 30 yards. They only allow one passing play all season where it's gained more than 30 yards. So there we go. Can you hit the big play? I think that's going to be important. I'll get into that for the way Kentucky uh, is playing defense and maybe the way Florida can attack it. This is a meeting of the nation's not ranked offense in Florida with 540 
6.8 yards per game and the ninth-ranked defense for Kentucky, giving up 260 yards a game. So the ninth-ranked offense versus the ninth-ranked defense and total yards per game. This matchup also pits Florida's third-ranked rushing offense with 322 yards per game against Kentucky's 21st-ranked rushing defense, 87.5 yards per game. So third-ranked rushing offense versus the 21st-ranked rushing defense. Last week versus Tennessee, Florida – Look, Tennessee had the fifth-rated rushing defense, giving up 54.3 yards per game. The Gators had 283, 7.1 yards a carry, and 10 rushes of 10-plus yards when Tennessee had allowed three all season. So the Florida run game, no matter who they've been playing, has been able to stay up to the task and get their yards. But this week, here we go, Florida offense. It'll be based on the run game, too. But teams are going to – and Kentucky, you know, they're a sound defense. They're, they're going to start – and other defenses are as well. So they're going to start loading up, trying to stop that Gator run. Kentucky's pretty good in stopping the run, if we just, as we just heard. I expect Florida to continue to run the ball anyway. But with Emory's running ability on this play, teams have to respect that as well. And I think uh, that can help open up the passing game. Kentucky's linebackers have to respect that. I like to see Emory get a little more aggressive, throw it over the linebackers' heads now that they have to spy him. Uh, and they're, going to to, they're, going, they're going to be worried about his legs. They're going to have to put a spy on him. I'd like to see that happen because, look, Kentucky wants to turn this into an ugly game. Uh, they make Florida run the ball. Um, there are – they're going to try to make Florida pass the ball too, but you know, Florida's going to stick with the run game. Uh, so I think there's going to be chances you know, there for Florida to attack in the passing game. could be built off of running, but you know, Kentucky – if Florida's going to have some long, sustained drives where they have to, you know, where Florida's going to run the ball, I think Florida's going to run the ball anyway, but I think the chance for some vertical passing attack might be there. Throw it over to linebackers. They got to worry about Emory running now. So, you know, it's been a lot of those 10 play, 11 play drives. Uh, then if, if there are, and if Florida continues those 10, 11 play drives, this is going to be a closer game because of that. Limited possessions for both teams if they're both running the ball. Florida's going to run the ball, but I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance for some explosives here in the passing game. We'd love to see Richardson get in and see if they can add more explosiveness in this offense, in this offensive run game, give Florida more scores, forces Kentucky out of their game a bit. And I do wonder if Kentucky, you know, maybe – have they picked up on Emory's conservative nature? Uh, you know, his last week, he's not turning the ball over. But I think that also comes with just kind of a conservative approach. Um, not pressing the ball down the field, not pressing the ball downfield to open receivers. I mean, we've seen open, wide open receivers. Emory, little tick slow, and then decides to run it, not necessarily pull the trigger. That's what he did last week, but not turning the ball over. Conservative approach. Um, and, you know, make, make him prove that he can do that before they react to anything down the field for the Gators offense. That's what I can see this Kentucky defense doing. Look, I, I think we know the Florida run game will be the story of the Florida offense versus Kentucky. It will be the story of the Florida offense all season. But if it isn't as successful, then, you know, that shrinks Florida's chances uh, of winning. But a downfield passing game, you know, could be the difference in a couple scores for the Gators. Uh, there, I think the run game the run game will be good enough to keep Florida in the game. I mean, I mean that's just the, the base of it. You know, Florida's going to be good enough to win the game just running the ball. But I think if you start hitting successful plays in the passing game, downfield passing attack, you're going to win the game. There's no question in my mind. You're going to win the game if that happens. 
Uh, so I wish we knew just how much AR was going to be involved uh, here uh, when you're looking at that. But uh, I think that can definitely help Florida's chances in the run game for explosives as well. Like as I said earlier this week, you got a lot of doubles, you got a lot of triples in that run game. Need that home run threat still. And that, that, that can help break open the run game where you don't necessarily have to get your explosive to the passing attack uh, right now. But I think there is a chance teams have to worry about the run game. Teams worry, have to worry about now putting a linebacker and spying Emory Jones, especially after last week what he did versus Kentucky uh, versus Tennessee there. Uh, Kenya, now in that, inter- that intermediate passing attack, can it open up a bit more as linebackers have to kind of stay closer to the line of scrimmage now? Throw it right over their head in front of the safety. I mean, get some, throw it in the zone right now. Uh, can Emory Jones trust himself to do that? Because the throws are going to be there. Can you pull the trigger? Can you pull the trigger to get some more of that intermediate? Uh, we start, started seeing it in the second half more last week. Uh, can you continue to build on that performance there from Emory Jones? But like I said, I wish, I wish we knew how much AR was going to be involved because that would factor in probably for an extra score. Uh, for, for Florida for me. Uh, so I'm going to kind of marry that thought there with if we see him, if we don't see him, just how much we might see him. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 3017 Florida. Uh, that's the score I'm going to have here. Now, this could turn into an even uglier game as both offenses want to run the ball. And if Florida, I, I think those passes will be there. Can they hit them? Will they even attempt to hit them? But, um, both both offenses want to run the ball. Both defenses good at stopping the run. Kentucky would take that kind of game, especially at home. But Florida has, to me, has the athletes to, to break this one open more so than Kentucky. As long as Wondell Robinson doesn't go crazy, you know, Florida Florida has more options for breaking some big plays. But as far as matchups in this game go, I mean, look, we've seen opponents number one wide receiver get the best of a Grantham defense and just take over a game for explosive plays. Uh, if the Wildcat run game is held in check. I don't see Robinson going crazy uh, with it. – it's going to be based off the of play action. Going to be, their, their explosives are going to be based off of their run game. If they don't have the run game going, I don't see them being able to create explosives, and I don't think Florida loses the game uh, in, in that fashion. If their run game is held in check, I don't think Robinson goes crazy. This is a win for Florida, and maybe never really in danger of losing it if that's going to be the case there. Uh, but if that first one happens and Kentucky's running the ball, then this defense is susceptible to giving up some big plays, something we'll have to watch for uh, there. So I think we'll get a, a lot of good and bad from this defense, but I do think they'll clamp down, hold that Kentucky run game in check to where they'll limit some explosives a good bit. Hopefully, you know, Kyrie, is, I'm assuming he's pretty close to 100% as well. Uh, and, you know, at least locking down Robinson somewhat, one side to field somewhat. Uh, and then I don't think that Kentucky run game is going to go all too crazy versus this Florida defense. So there we go. Now I see this game playing out a little bit for Florida, Kentucky. One more time. Prediction 30-17 Gators victory over the Wildcats. Before we sign off, here we are. SEC slam packed, jam packed with some great ball games this week. Hopefully they all play out this, this way we think they can. Arkansas, Georgia opens it up at noon on ESPN. We'll see how healthy Arkansas is. If they are healthy, can get there. And KJ Jefferson there at quarterback and some of their playmakers, are, if healthy, very interesting game here because of the, the things they like to do a little bit with the, with the quarterback. And the quarterback run game is very similar to how Florida wants to do things as well. If they can go and have some success versus this Georgia defense playing that style, 
you have to feel pretty confident Florida can go do the same thing. But I do, you know, wonder there the health of Arkansas, who plays, if their starters are and Jefferson's not playing, I don't give them much of a chance and it wouldn't still won't be much of an indication if we see you know, Florida's offense, that rushing attack, and what they can do versus Georgia uh, there. So keep an eye on that one. If, if Arkansas is pretty healthy, I think that can give us some inclination of, uh, you know, just how good Georgia's defense is. They haven't really played a good offense this year. I think they're good, uh, but we'll see how good, I think, as this season continues to play out. But if Arkansas is injured, Jefferson's not playing, it still will be another offense that's pretty limited that this Gator or this Georgia defense will be going up against. And uh, we'll see if they can put some points up on Arkansas, too. Arkansas is going to have a pretty good, tough defense uh, rolling into this game. And we'll see what Georgia brings to the table on the offensive side of the ball uh, as they've just been able to take advantage of some pretty weak opponents the last couple of weeks uh, there. Noon game, Tennessee-Missouri on the SEC network as well. You know, we'll see maybe a fight for third, you know, fourth place in the SEC East right now. Uh, when you look at that game, you kind of already determined that it's going to be Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky uh, here battling for the SEC East. So, yeah, might have that game on in the background, but won't be concentrating too much on it. CBS, 3.30 game of the week, Ole Miss, Alabama. Alabama a couple weeks ago gets their big test versus Florida. Their second test of the season that many were predicting was going to be this Ole Miss team led by Matt Corral, Lane, Lane Kiffin, that offense. Home game for Alabama, 3.30. We'll see. Uh, I'm excited for that one. <laughs> I'm excited for that one. We'll get to learn more about Alabama a couple weeks after they play Florida as well. You know, in an up, you know, up-tempo, high-flying offense there from Ole Miss. Just kind of – I'm ready to see how Bama reacts to that offense as well after they played Florida a couple weeks ago. 3.30 as well in the SEC Network. Troy visits South Carolina. And then, of course, 6 o'clock ESPN, Florida travels to Lexington to take on Kentucky. SEC Network, 7 o'clock, Mississippi State visits Texas A&M. We'll see how both those teams bounce back after losses last week. Mississippi State to LSU, Texas A&M last week to Arkansas. Um, I'm not sure what to think about that game. Um, But A&M at home taking on Mississippi State. 7.30 7.30 ESPNU, you have UConn visiting Vanderbilt. And then a late SEC game here after Florida-Kentucky on ESPN. You'll get Auburn and LSU. TJ Finley, there for Auburn perhaps, going against his former team in LSU. There's your storyline there. LSU with the win versus Mississippi State last week. Uh, we'll see uh, how they respond. Uh, both teams uh, respond there to close victories last week. Auburn escaping versus Georgia State last week. Very interesting quarterback storyline going on there in Auburn. There we go. SEC, full slate. Remember, get get that Four Rivers. Get that Four Rivers. You want to watch all these games. You don't have to cook all day. Order Four Rivers. Watch these great ball games here in the SEC this week. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown, this Kentucky preview. I'm your host, of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.